Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. We'd like to start off by thanking um, our new Patreon supporters. Yay. We're very grateful for them. Um, I want to say hey to Harold. Hey, Harold. Hey. <laughs> um, also like to give a huge shout out to Heather, who upped her uh, monthly donation. She did. <laughs> That's so hot. Yeah, it was super um, hot. Then we have Mark and uh, Heather Rose. And then we have Aaron, Aaron, sorry, I'm not saying last names, right? Uh, and Heather also sent us a nice message. She did. Yeah, she's uh, great. So you guys can send us messages and we pretty much, one of us will always respond. Sometimes both of us respond yeah. because we're really coordinated. Right. Things like that. Right. But yeah, we love hearing from you. We do. There was actually an email that moved me to tears. Aww. Yes, I was PMSing, but I was, yes. I was, mo- I was moved to tears. I did start crying, um, when I got an email from our friend, uh, Will this weekend. So thank you very much, uh, for that really sweet note you sent us. Um, it's really cool to hear from you guys. And uh, we will keep churning out the disgusting, vulgar, hopefully hilarious content. On the bonus episodes. On the bonus yeah. episodes. So on Patreon, yeah. if, you, if you give $5 a month, you get access to a weekly bonus episode. So you get like two for the price of one per week. <laughs> <laughs> so or something cool. like that. Yeah. So yeah. So let's get into this week's crime. This week's crime, we are talking about the Sunset Strip Killers. I, this is, for such a crazy story, this is actually, I feel like, one of the lesser known crimes. Right. It's not. Well, one thing we might want to say to people, like, we're mostly focused on Hollywood. Right. Sort of celebrity stuff. But we also want to focus in on some crimes that actually took place in the city. Yes. Just because we feel like it's all sort of connected in, like, a seedy kind it of dream-seeking right. way. But, and yeah, so this is one of those. Right. This is, this is. Act- a legitimate Hollywood crime. It took place in Hollywood proper and uh-huh. surround and like the actually Hollywood, areas. not like Beverly Hills Housewives where they're all over the valley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, like there there are streets that have been mentioned um, in the material I was researching that I'm like, oh, that's like down the block for me, right? Because we record the show in Hollywood hey. uh, at my house. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so the Sunset Strip Killers. Um, let's just get right into it. Uh, this was a, a couple that was committing these crimes. This was a pair. This was a man and a woman. And we're going to start with Doug Clark. Douglas Daniel Clark was born March 10th, 1948 in Pennsylvania. His father, Franklin, was a naval intelligence officer. So Doug and his four siblings, they moved around a lot. And they didn't just move around a lot around the country. They were all over the world. They were global. They were living in the Marshall Islands at one point. They lived in San Francisco. They even lived in India for a while. And because of Franklin Clark's status in the Navy, Doug and his family, they got to live this really 
incredibly privileged life. It was like they even had butlers, like literal. Really? Yeah, at some of the places they were living. That's in. like my dream. <laughs> <laughs> they got to, they were jet setters. They had butlers. Really? Wow. And it's, I just think it's interesting because you don't usually hear a lot about these in these serial killer backstories about this lavish lifestyle. Right. You it's hear, always like head trauma, <laughs> abusive, bed, yeah. decapitating your dog and living in a trailer park. Right. Or you something hear equally. And horrible. I know a lot of backstories of serial killers. That's kind of our thing. But these people had a very privileged life. And Doug was super into that he used that to his advantage to try and make friends and to try and uh, seduce women when he was a young young man and he would brag all the time to his classmates Uh, he ended up going to a very prestigious high school where a lot of sons of kings and other people in high-ranking areas of the military went Uh to in Geneva And although Doug didn't do well in school or with making friends, according to him, he did very well with the ladies. And he would brag all the time to his classmates about his sex sex capades. And they thought it was weird. Wait, (laughs) who would brag to who? Doug would brag to his classmates all the time. And how old is he during that? He's like 16, 15, 16. Uh So he'd be like boning these ladies. And he thought he, I mean, he was like. How was he boning people at 16? (laughs) I don't know, but he would brag all the time to them and they and they they totally thought he was a weird kid. Like even though he was fucking all these chicks allegedly. Right. They were like, "Okay, calm down. Like yeah. shut up. We don't care." It's not like he had a Twitter account where he talked about it on stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doug was also a troublemaker in school. He did not like authority. And he got in trouble for things like drunkenness and one time he even got in trouble for writing an erotic letter to one of his teachers. Wow. Which is like the original sext. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so he, I love reading erotic letters. <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore. I mean, uh, you could get a really long text sometimes. <laughs> right. You could get a really long text. But he, these are the types of things that he got in trouble for. And he was eventually expelled. And then he was sent to a school, a military school in Indiana. Here, he got involved with sports and even took up playing the sax. And he was in a band playing the sax, which is interesting. He continued to be a problem student, though, even though he'd gotten involved in these other extracurricular activities. And he, as still, was displaying this very antisocial behavior. And his parents didn't really give a shit. I I, I guess I imagined, like, his parents being... Hardcore military, strict discipline. Yes, that, and also, since I guess they were well-to-do... I imagine his parents also the cliche like, oh, our boy's fine. Like they're off there. They were off in different parts of the world. Right. His parents. And he was sort of. Yeah. He was sort of left to his own devices, I feel like, at school. So the teachers and his school counselors would call the parents up like, yo, your son's hella weird. And they'd be like, he's fine. Right. They didn't see the signs. They didn't see like he was antisocial. That he was antisocial. Wait, was he as an only child? An only child? He had four other siblings. Oh, okay. He was like in the middle. He was the third child. Ugh, middle child. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Doug. One of the things he liked to do was record the sounds of him fucking Ugh. when he was a teenager. <laughs> and this must have been some pretty primitive recording right. device. I don't know what they used. They didn't have like 
like a tape deck. A tape. Well, I don't know what you he put used. like a, a cassette tape in and no, press record. This is like in the 60s. They didn't have those? I don't know what they had. Did someone write us in? <laughs> He would he would put this under the bed and record the sounds of the girl moaning and then he would take the tape to school or whatever it was and play it for his classmates. I'm and, just amazed that this guy really is fucking all these kids at that age or kids kids. <laughs> they're, they're kids, they're kids, <laughs> right. but they're girls. Um so and they thought and his students, I mean his classmates they thought he was gross and they thought it was weird, which they absolutely had every right to think that's like one of those things where at first you're like oh my god and then you're like wait a second this is really creepy <laughs> right, right? <laughs> and the, the women the girls he was fucking they didn't know they were being recorded not, right can you imagine especially being in that's high like school very bob crane of him it's very bob crane there there are some interesting um same similar themes in his story and his fetishes that that are very similar to that when he was 17, he met 14-year-old Bobby, and they fell in love. So Bobby's a woman. Bobby's a girl. woman, yeah. And he would take pictures of him and Bobby fucking. And I guess Bobby was into it. Right. Because you, you have to set up a camera. Right. I picture he has like that squeezy ball thing. <laughs> and the powder comes yeah. out. <laughs> That's like really I'm very, old school. We're very uh, tech savvy right. on this show. Um. And he would take pictures of them fucking, and he would also pass those around to his classmates. God. What a fucking loser. In 1967, he enlisted in the Air Force, and he wound up stationed in Anchorage, Alaska. Although he still didn't like being told what to do, he did like the nightlife and the girls in Alaska. So he would often go to the bars instead of doing what he needed to be doing. And he would like to get drunk and hang out with the chicks and pick up chicks. Yeah, I guess. But isn't that the place where it's all Alaska men? <laughs> like remember the calendar they used to do? Or like there's like so few women there that everyone's like, Oh, you can move up to Alaska and get a man. Right. And like, we'll pay you <laughs> yeah. to live here. I don't know, but he liked the chicks in Alaska. He kept their pussies warm, <laughs> I guess they're beavers <laughs> he kept their there's a little their, muff they're alaskan beavers warm and cozy so he uh when he was honorably discharged from the air force he drove from alaska down to california with five thousand dollars and he wound up moving in with his sister carol ann in van nuys carol ann yeah. <laughs> throwback um when he was 27, he met Beverly, who was age 24, at a nightclub in the Valley, and the two of them got married. Beverly was... Wait, is there like a sadder phrase than nightclub in the Valley? <laughs> <laughs> no, there is not. <laughs> um, so Beverly was less attractive than Doug, which... So, so many accounts, like... I feel like every account I've read about Doug, they paint him as this like handsome guy, but I'm sorry. I've looked at several pictures of I him. I know. I saw a few too. And he's fucking haunting looking and not in a hauntingly beautiful way. He's not cute to me he at seems all. He's very basic to me. Like I would never think, oh, there's a woman less attractive than him. Like, he's yeah. Not, like, he's not like ugly. But he's not Ted Bundy. He's not Ted Bundy hot. <laughs> well, I'm saying out of all the despicable no, no, serial no, no, killers. Right. And I don't even think Ted Bundy was hot, but I guess he was hot for a serial killer. Like right. Ted Bundy was a ladies he man had also. symmetrical features and like. Right. Yeah. He was whatever. 
So Beverly was less attractive. She was slightly overweight and she felt that she was dumpy looking. She was very insecure and she really liked that Doug was ambitious and handsome and they ended up buying a car upholstery business together and Doug was a pretty shitty businessman. He was not good at his job. Beverly recounts that Doug liked to wear her underwear and that he would often try to get her to have three ways and swing with other couples. Mm. Mm. In the valley. In the valley. <laughs> other hot couples Wait, in the valley. what year is this? This is 1967. This okay. is the late 60s. Right. So is swinging is just getting it's getting swing. <laughs> it's getting into swing. <laughs> Doug was also an alcoholic. He was still drinking a lot. He spent a lot of time in the bars. And Beverly started to feel pretty neglected by Doug. And she thought that he was pulling away from her because she had gained a lot of weight during their marriage. She tried to get him to go to AA and Doug actually did go and get sober for two years, but then he went back to drinking in 1976. After being married for four years, they got a divorce. So Doug at this time, Doug was bouncing around from woman to woman, specifically overweight, lonely woman that he could get shit from like money and free rent. Right. And he liked to take advantage of these women because he thought that they were so desperate for love that they would sort of give him a free ride. Right. So he was like, um, he also had a nickname for himself, which I think is so tacky. You can't make up your own nickname. I feel like, and he would call himself the king of uh, one night stands. I know. Isn't that (laughs) gross? (laughs) So, well, I mean, he could hardly prove that. (laughs) Well, and also I'm like, where's the, I mean, I guess he was fucking a lot in between and probably cheating on his wife before, but he was a smooth talking ladies man. And he was basically like the quintessential, in my opinion, the more I was reading about him, he was really like a pickup artist type, which I feel like if you don't know what a pickup artist is, it's like a men's rights activist type who thinks that women owe them sex essentially and that there's a set of rules and it's like a code and like a guide to basically fuck any woman you want right because they think they're experts in psychology yeah and that they can like if it's an attractive woman they'll neg them and that gets a woman yeah there's Ooh, all these like they don't different think i'm tactics. beautiful yeah so with a un- more traditionally unattractive woman i'm sure the technique is much different right they probably build them up a bit right because they're desperate for some kind of affection or uh, and that was really his move he would build up these women who he felt were unattractive or these women who were insecure and lonely and and wanted to have some kind of companionship and then he would take advantage of them and emotionally be abusive to them and these women of course would get caught in the cycle so he was like the ultimate fake male feminist i feel like (laughs) that should have been his nickname he should the original fake male feminist i mean we don't know he might have been doing this longer than ted bundy because ted bundy i used to call the original fake male feminist but this guy was was doing it too back in la so i even read an account of one of his moves to pick up on chicks would be that he would recite Shakespeare. <laughs> oh my God. Like quotes from Shakespeare or speak in French to seem super like intelligent and kind of sexy and exotic. And I just feel right. like that's so fucking gross. Like if a guy, if a sleazy guy was trying to pick up on me and they started reciting Shakespeare, even though I 
actually totally love Shakespeare, if like a guy was using that to hit on me, my pussy would crawl up into my body. It's kind of like that story I saw recently about the guy playing piano to get his girlfriend back. It's like, just don't. Right. Just stop it. She doesn't want you. She doesn't want to fuck you I don't like any of that kind of like smooth, here's some classical music or Shakespeare. It's just like, uh, come on. Just be yourself. Yeah. Just be yourself. It's just so obvious that you're trying to impress. Yeah. And there's just, just nothing worse than that. Well, it can come off very manipulative too. Right. And try hard. And that's what he was doing. He was manipulating. Yes. There's a reason that it feels that way. <laughs> In 1979, Doug Clark met 37-year-old Carol Bundy at the Little Nashville Country Club. Where's she- that? That's in the valley. <laughs> I guess it used to be in the valley. I mean, maybe it's still there. The I don't know. Nashville. I mean, that doesn't sound very upscale to me. Well, that's where Carol Bundy was that night because she was there to see a guy who did Tom Jones covers sing. Wow. Um, honestly, I want to go now. <laughs> I wish it still existed. I, I didn't look it up, but I'll look it up after the show to see if it still exists. Okay, we're going to do a flashback now. Carol Bundy. Carol Bundy was born Carol Peters on July, oh, excuse me, on August 26th, 1942, to Charles and Gladys Peters. Gladys, her mom, was... Um, super rude to carol like emotionally and physically abusive carol has a very sad story carol does when i think about the typical serial killer origin story right carol really has that down pat she hits the nail on she the hits the nail on a lot of different sort of points here so gladys the mom was physically and emotionally abusive to her she would call her fat and beat her and her sister In 1957, though, Gladys Peters died of a heart attack, and Carol's dad, Charles, told her that her and her sister were going to have to replace their mom sexually. Oh, I thought he meant go find a new wife. (laughs) Desi's like, oh, no, sweet dad. It was sexually. So they had to fill in. They had to fill in for the mom's role. Okay. Right. Wait, so. Okay. He was molesting both of the kids is what I'm trying to but say. But he actually said that to them. Yes. Like, it's your yes. duty now. It's your duty. You have to f- fulfill your, your mom's wifely duties. Exactly. That's so gross. It's so mean. Their mom It's almost like died. there's something worse about saying this is your job now than to just molest them. <laughs> Sorry. I know that's a very subtle distinction. Well, you would know. I would know. So I'm telling you from my own perspective, <laughs> it does seem like more like traumatizing sorry <laughs> i also think could he have waited a little bit to la- to let them grieve like a grieving period <laughs> i don't know i mean clearly these are not good people no. it's so horrible it's just <laughs> anyways awful. yeah so uh carol's dad charles was yeah he was having sexual relationships with both of his uh two daughters how old were they carol bundy was 13 and the sister was 11 Oh, my God. So, yeah. They're young. They're young kids. And her dad did eventually get remarried, and when he got remarried, the molesting stopped. But it really was just... (laughs) I mean, it's so disturbing to me. I'm not a pedophile. I'm just practical here. Right. I I just need someone to fuck. Also, you know, he... um, uh, Okay, I'm not going to go into that. Let's not get at replies (laughs) this week. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. (laughs) So he got remarried. And one day he sent Carol to the store, and when she came back, he had tried to kill himself but failed. He did end up blowing his thumb off, and he did end up shooting the cat and killing the cat. What? Like, (laughs) wait. He shot the cat on purpose, and the reason he shot the cat is because he was planning on going on a killing spree, on killing his wife and himself. Oh. So he chickened out after he killed the cat and then just killed himself? No, he he was going to kill himself also, but he misfired. Oh, okay. And shot off his thumb instead. But his plan was, I'm going to shoot the cat. The cat I'm going to shoot my wife. So, I'm but shoot he skipped my... the wife. So okay. I, I don't know. That's that's yeah. a part of the story. I didn't. That's I, like a gap. Yeah. Sorry, um, guys. So he accidentally shot off his thumb. He accidentally shot off his thumb. And when Carol came back to the store and she saw this blood everywhere and her cat dead, she was like, "What the fuck?" And the girls were sent to foster care and his new wife was like, your dad needs to figure some shit out clearly, which I don't know why she wouldn't just divorce him at that point. Like, bitch, you shot our cat and you were going to shoot me. If someone killed my cat, I would kill them. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it would be over for well, you. I mean, obviously she, this is not someone who was like, oh, this is a good man. Right. <laughs> like, she had to know. I'm marrying the yeah. molester. Yeah. Eventually Charles Peters uh, did kill himself. He hanged himself. So good riddance to a horrible man. When Carol was 17, she married a 56-year-old man. So clearly, she has some emotional issues, right. largely caused by her upbringing already. She, was, and she ended up getting married three times Wow! in a very a pretty short span of time. And these were not good relationships no. by any stretch of the imagination. 
She ended and she's up, also, I mean, I hate to bring this up, but she's not a extremely attractive. She's not. Woman. And this matters because <sighs> it ties into her relationship later on right. with Doug Clark and his proclivity for these roping in women. these women yeah. who are less conventionally attractive or overweight mm-hmm. and sort of taking advantage of them. Um, but let's just call a spade a spade. Carol Bundy is no fucking victim here. Right. I mean, she was a victim when she was a child, but she's not a good person. Right. Let's just get that out of the way. She was a monster as well. So Carol ended up marrying a man named Grant Bundy in the late 60s. That's where she got her last name from. That's the serial killer pedigree name. She really did. (laughs) I mean, like what? I mean, you got Ted Bundy. You got this bitch. You got the irritating Bundys up in Oregon, the ones... Oh, right. Those guys. Yeah. The, the whole... Remember, like, the people were... In sent- Oregon, and then there was one, I think, in Nevada, like, the dad. I can't remember it was what Cliven, it was. Cliven. Cliven <laughs> yeah, Bundy. I was almost like, Coot- that Cooter guy. Bundy. It, same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Carol and Grant had two sons. Carol also... Not only was she overweight and unattractive, she also had bad eyesight and wore really thick glasses. Like, the kind of glasses that are, like, Coke bottle... Right, like the classic. Like really unfortunate. Four eyes. Total four eyes. Where your eyes literally look double in size almost because they're so thick. And they did. And there's pictures of her I've seen where it's like, whoa, those are some thick-ass glasses. She was being abused. She'd been abused by pretty much all of her husbands. And she did spend some time living in a battered woman's shelter. But eventually, Carol separated from Grant Bundy, and her and her two sons moved into a new place. And this is where she met and fell in love with Jack Murray, her apartment manager. Jack Murray was a country singer, and he was Australian, kind of like Keith Urban, but this guy's a monster, so (laughs) not like Keith Urban. Well, we assume. We assume. I just saw him at, on the Emmys tonight. He he looked like he really loved his wife. So I'm just saying. Interesting. I'm just, but he's also an Australian country singer. <clears throat> right. So. It's a rare combo. Yeah, I just it's a rare combo. Um, so the two started hooking up. The only problem was that Jack was married. So already he's a piece of shit, and he really strung Carol along. He knew that. Carol was wrapped around his finger because yeah. he was this kind of hunky Rico Suave guy. He was also very much a ladies man. He was a country crooner. He was kind of, I mean, like he was like attractive, I guess he's not my type, but like I saw pictures of him. Like she, he, and I'm uh, sorry, Carol just thought he was like the fucking hottest guy on earth. And she can't believe and you know, this guy's paying all this attention to her. Right. And Oh my God, she's probably thinking like, He's going to leave his wife for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really he really strung her along. Like, yeah, I'll leave. Why? Like, I mean, was just, well, just for the sex, was she really good at it? <laughs> like, I'm just She gave saying. a mean blowjob. But, like, what was his... Here's the motive. Carol, when she got divorced from Grant, she got half of the house. So she got half of what this house was worth, and it was a lot of money. So Carol had money in the bank. Yeah. And... Jack Murray wanted some of that money and he was able to siphon money from her and get money. Oh baby, I just I need twenty thousand dollars for this. Really? She had that kind of money? Yes, she did. Jesus. And he got quite a few tens of thousands of dollars from her. 
And Carol was just like convinced that eventually that he's going to leave his wife and be with me. And this is like an investment I'm making to spend all this money mm-hmm. on him and he'll come, he'll be with me. Um, and he would make her feel beautiful and lift her up as right. well, even though he was being a total piece of shit to her, like another total fake male feminist. This is the theme here in the story. So he also told Carol that his wife had been diagnosed with cancer and that, and Carol was probably stoked because she's like, oh, well, you know, we can be together then because she's going to die. And I mean, it's sad, but. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's too bad. Yeah. Right. But at least we can be together. So Jack really uh, kept pushing this that, yeah, when she dies, we'll be together. Just hang on tight. She's right. almost dead. Jesus. Jack's wife didn't even have cancer, though. What? <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> and around this time, um, Carol had entered into a sexual relationship with an 11-year-old girl that was also living in the apartment complex. <laughs> record scratch what the hell I, I feel like the term entered into a sexual right coerced a sexual relationship the hell she was she was um molesting yeah she was molesting a, an 11 year old girl and under and she would probably thought it was very consensual carol probably did right because the girl wasn't kicking and screaming so the girl, I recognize that this is rape, no matter what. But right? Was the girl like doing it? Yes. Or the was, girl so, was. Yeah. The girl was. Uh, according to Carol, was participating, you know, participating in and this. Wanted to. She obviously was <clears throat> not able to consent because she was a child. Right. We're not. But I was just curious. Right. Like, what and if it was it was an ongoing thing. It wasn't like a one time. No, it happened. It happened. It was happening. Uh-huh. It was ongoing. Jack allegedly was also involved in this. Oh. Uh, yeah. So they were having three ways together oh. with this 11-year-old. Now, was Jack, do you think, really behind the whole thing? Like, do you think he encouraged her or did they, didn't, they didn't go into that aspect? Um, I think Carol actually... Maybe she did it to did. entice him. Like, she, oh, I can get this girl for us. It's interesting because... A part of me wonders there there's like lots of different theories, I think, and there's lots of different reports, but like I think it was a mix of both. I think Carol had these dark, deep, really fucked up fantasies and sexual fetishes that are very much illegal and very much twisted and depraved that she wanted to explore, but also that she had a a dark yearning to impress a man right at all costs, right. Well, a lot of times this stuff I don't think is thought out in a big way, but it's subconsciously what you're trying to do is right. to like get someone to like you. Right. And she, and she doesn't really... have a great personality and she's not like a great looker. Right. So she's like, I can get this kind of stuff. Like, exactly. Yeah, and I'll do anything. Like, so I do think a lot of it, whether or not she was conscious about it, was her subconsciously looking for love that she had never gotten as a child, as a teenager, and as an adult. And she's... But she's also just a sick, fucked up person, too. I yeah, mean, it, can be a, it can be a combination of a lot of things. And, and Jack Murray also was really into S&M, so he could act out his sexual fetishes with Carol. And Carol would do whatever. I mean, 
she did whatever he wanted. And right. that's another reason why he kept her around and strung her along was like not only her money, but that she would fulfill his darkest sexual desires with her. That's my MO, but I'm not a sicko. No, I'm just <laughs> Carol was so desperate to get Jack back. She actually offered his wife $1,500 to leave his husband, to leave wow. her husband, which I feel like is a really low, that's low ball, really low ball. Like even in the seventies, that's really low balling. I'm just trying to think like how much it would take me. <laughs> I mean, who knows? It seems like no one even fucking cared about anyone back in this period. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe it would have worked. $1,500. Well, if she's like, I'm leaving him anyway, like, sure, let me get some money out of this. But the wife, Jack's wife was like, fuck you. Like, of course. And okay. she was like, hell no. And she was pissed. And, uh, the Can you imagine seeing Carol? <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. But knowing that your husband was cheating on you with Carol Bundy. And she offers you a measly price of $1,500. It's like baffling to me. I can't even imagine how angry I would be. Oh, my God. I mean, we're going to post pictures. Like, we've posted a lot of really glamorous, like, kind of cool, hip-looking pictures on our Instagram before. And I just want to warn all of our listeners that none of the pictures we're going to post the following week are going to be cute. They're they're pretty gruesome they're gross um i mean i don't know if we're gonna post super gruesome pictures but we will post pictures of uh these depraved disgusting people involved in the story none of the players in the story are attractive or glamorous they're all awful awful people and they're all awfully ugly people in my opinion right um so i'm pro look shaming serial killers (laughs) I am too. I'll look shame. I'll fat shame a serial killer. And I'm very anti fat shaming, but I mean, I don't know. I've been like trying not to fat shame. It's interesting. Cause I, I, re- I was reading a, I got a, I bought a book about this cause there's so much information right. about these two fucking sickos. So I bought a book this week and I was reading it about them. And I don't know when the book was written. It's like an ebook I bought. I, I need to check that but i just skipped right to the there's like it's like a serial killer book and there's this whole chapter on these two fuckos and the language in it is like really not pc at all even though it's like a book written by some scholar i guess or some crime expert right it must have been written a long time ago right because there'd be a little bit more pc if it was recent yeah i mean the book repeatedly refers to people as like fat dumpy ugly (laughs) Like she was a fat woman, and well, fat I think is okay. Yeah, it's okay, but it's just it's but with very, dumpy, it seems a little more. It's just in a very coarse way they used to describe all the players right. in this story, yeah. and there's just this huge fat theme throughout the story. Well, that doesn't seem very scholarly. No, right? I don't know who wrote this book. I got it, and it had a lot of information, and it was recommended. So yeah, that's why I got this book. Um, but I also. Um, I'm sorry, I was reading it and, uh, there were these quotes in it from, there were these quotes in it from, uh, Doug Clark and (laughs) Doug Clark had a fucking potty mouth on him too. I mean, like we're going to go more into this next week. This is going to be a two parter. I don't know if we mentioned that up top, No, but I really just wanted to give you guys like a little bit of backstory and um, how these two ended up meeting first. That's what we're going to talk about first is their backstory and how they ended up meeting. Um, Let me just back up here where I left off is that. um, So Carol and Jack, you know, Jack was like, look, my wife, 
what are you going to do? She's being a total bitch. We got to yeah. break it off. So they finally broke it off. But that didn't stop Carol from going to the little Nashville country club to meet up with Jack. Slash, she wasn't actually meeting up with him. She was just stalking him there. Was that where he performed? This is where Jack Murray performed his Tom Jones songs for some reason. Tom Jones isn't even a country singer, but I guess he was singing Tom Jones that night. Right. Whatever. Um, you got to get some gigs to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the little Nashville country club in the Valley. I think it was in North Hollywood. This is where she was going to creep on Jack. Like, what's he doing? Yeah. Oh, I love him so much. Just like yeah. staring at him. She's his number one fan. Oh, and I forgot to mention at one point that Jack had convinced uh, Carol to get like laser eye surgery or surgery on her eyes to fix really? them because of her Coke bottle glasses. I mean, that would have been a very new surgery. I guess it wasn't LASIK eye surgery, but okay, she... Okay, so it was some version of... It was some version, version of LASIK. Yeah, something that was happening in the 70s, and... I love the nerve of him. Like, he's not going to leave his wife for He's telling her to do... And he didn't even pay for the surgery, either. But not only that, that really, honestly, wouldn't do much to improve her looks. Like, <laughs> it wasn't no. like the glasses were the problem. Like she, it, The glasses were not the problem with her look. She was not an attractive woman. She just didn't have a style about her, either. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like... There's that she was just I think the evil evilness also just seeped from her every being right. like she looked miserable. She didn't look like a fun person. No, to be every around. picture I've seen of her looks like she's in misery. Like, right. There's no joy right. coming from this woman's face. There's nothing like she doesn't have a good soul or a good heart. You don't no, look at her. Girl, I want to hang out with Carol Bundy. Right. So, uh, but he did convince her like, oh, you'd be so much, you know, oh, you, you should get your eyes fixed. And, um, which is like really irritating because like sh he didn't even pay for it. Like I said before, this was on her own dime. So, but you know, he's like the master manipulator. So he's like, yeah, baby, like do it. And, and she'll do anything to keep him. And because it worked because the surgery worked and she didn't have to wear these thick Coke bottle glasses anymore. She took that as like, he really loves me. Right. That's but, good that it worked. Well, it's good that it worked yeah. for her, but it's also like for him, it was probably more cosmetic Right. He just wanted her to not have these hideous glasses anymore, probably. So Carol's at the country club. And even though she had gone there to creep on Jack, she spies Doug Clark from across the room. And she was all, oh, shit. Dreamweaver started playing. <laughs> Literally, Dreamweaver started playing. And she was like in a trance, like, that guy's hot. I want him now. And suddenly her... Love for Jack had faded away because she was on to the next. Wow. And that's how they met. And that's the story. That's their backstory. And next week we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the two of them teaming up, committing all sorts of fucking mayhem all over the streets of Hollywood and Los Angeles. But yeah, a couple of two... Two little lovebirds. <laughs> Two lovebirds. I mean, really, they are—they—they they really are the perfect match because here we have Doug, who is this also this ladies' man, like Jack right. is. Well, it seems like they both are each other's type, like to a T, right? They she's really sort of, are. She's like this unattractive, easily manipulated 
person. And that's his thing. That's his thing. And right. she and he is her thing, like this good looking kind of ladies man. Right. Type. I mean, I don't know what her first husband was. He probably was a loser, but no, the Jack and him sort of fit that bill. Right. <clears throat> but even Carol. Also, she liked that dominant guy. Yeah. <clears throat> and even Carol described her own self as not being attractive in the book that I was reading. There was a quote from her and she had said she looked very much like her dad who looked like a roly poly. Right. And she's like, that's what I take after him. You know, like she knew she wasn't this hot lady or anything, but she would, um, but yeah, but she would get these guys, but they were really just using her and she would go to any lengths to please them. So it really was this perfect meeting, the two of them, right in this country club, this Nashville country, club. this little Nashville country I, I club. I looked it up while you were talking before, and I think it might still exist, <gasps> which is sort of horrifying. Maybe when we do our first meetup, we'll meet there at the show. <laughs> that sounds scary. Doesn't that sound creepy? Yeah. And then going all the way to the valley. There's just no way that place is nice. No, I know. I mean. But I mean, that's fine. I like dive bars. I do too. I really wonder what it's like there. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited to hear about. Yeah. Where... I mean, I'm sorry that it's not, uh, it's kind of a, a little shorter episode today, but this is going to be a two-parter. So we're going to have part two for you up next week. Um, like I said, we're going to talk about the murder and the mayhem and all the fucking crazy shit. That's going to be a longer episode probably. Um and I just want to thank our Patreon contributors again. And do you have anything else you'd like to say? Um, no, that's it. Okay, thank you. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.